Welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Rosa Coelho, your host, lifestyle entrepreneur, health coach, and speaker. I'm thrilled to have you join me as we delve into conversations around optimizing our health, pushing past our fears, pursuing our dreams, and inspiring each other to live a life by design, not by chance. I believe magic happens over coffee and sharing experiences. I've made plans to change careers, move to a new country, organized exciting adventures, and even formed some of my most incredible relationships over coffee. So grab your favorite cuppa, sit back, and enjoy our beautiful chats along with our special guests. You never know when you may hear something that changes everything. Hello, beautiful friend. Welcome to another Tuesday. I have such a treat for you today. Today, I speak with Pidor Tampa, who is, oh my goodness, Pidor just does it all. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. She's a storyteller. Um, she's a teacher. She's just a beautiful human being. So the reason I wanted to have Pidor on is because I was really thinking of this concept of how you do something is how you do everything. And the reason this came to mind is Because often if you are looking to change careers or make a shift, sometimes we feel like we need to hate where we're at. And I don't believe that. I believe that really lowers our vibration. And I know I've gone through that process myself where I started kind of slacking off on on the jobs that I was supposed to be doing now while I was working on what I was really wanted to do. But you realize that just brings everything down and it's actually not the best approach. And it took me back to this, this time where Pidor and I were teaching. I was the, a year five teacher and Pidor was a teaching assistant and we team taught basically. I mean, we ran that class together. She was phenomenal. Literally, my weaknesses were her strengths and it was just, we had so much fun. But during that time, I was on a journey. I was actually teaching full time and starting off my personal training career, I was actually doing the course. It was a year long course to become a personal trainer and massage therapist. And Pidor too was on her own journey. She is a, like I said, a singer and songwriter. And she was trying to figure out if she wanted to teach in primary school or maybe teach high school, or, you know, she was just looking to discover herself. And I have to say, we ran that classroom to the absolute best of our ability. Like going to work every day was a joy. And I really feel like we were at the top of our game. And so even though we were looking to make a shift or figure out where we were going next, we didn't slack on what we were doing. If anything, we raised each other up and it was a special year. I'll never forget those students because Pidor was amazing. She'd put on these huge performances and I would give her all the time in the world to do it because I was, I'm not musically inclined, but I have such an awe for people who have that talent. And we talk about that time together in this podcast, but really what I would love for people to get out of this is that if you are making, looking to make a shift and you're kind of dragging yourself into work or you're just kind of waking up really exhausted because the energy isn't there because you're not working on your passion, I'm going to challenge you to rise up your standards, start doing it to the best of your ability because that energy you attract will overflow into everything and into, it will give you clarity as well for the next thing that you want to do and it'll attract beautiful things to your life. 
Okay, so before I get started with this interview, I also wanted to, to just share with you that I have a masterclass on cravings out that you can um, subscribe to for free. When you put in your email, it will send you the video of cravings. If you suffer from cravings, I used to think that cravings were something that I had to live with and they are 100% not. That is not the case. You can abolish them forever and make achieving your health goals just effortless and do it with ease. So if you'd like that masterclass, simply go to rockofit.com forward slash mass um, cravings. So rockofit is R-O-C-O-F-I-T and I'll put it in the show notes as well. And if you have a moment, please leave me a review. It means the world to getting this podcast out and I so appreciate the time that it takes you to do that. Okay, friends, sit back, grab your favorite kappa and enjoy this episode. Hi, Pedor. Welcome to Coffee Talk Podcast. Hi, Rosa. It's really good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I am so excited. It's like old times, us hanging out. I know. It's kind of mad. Oh, my gosh. I just want to say for our our listeners, you're in London, UK. So sometimes the audio cuts out a tiny bit, but but, uh, it should be great enough quality to get this awesome message out. Um, so Pedora, let's start with the first thing. How do you spell your name? <laughs> yeah, the magic question. I think that most people are afraid to ask. So thank you for asking. It is P I D apostrophe O R apostrophe and not a hyphen, which some people think is the same punctuation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Okay, I only ask that because. I know how to spell your name. We worked together for a good year, and uh, but it was always a thing. And then I saw you post on Instagram. I was laughing so much. But like, come on, someone's name is so important. <laughs> like, Just you know, people ignore it in the um, email um, signature, and they they <laughs> very creative. And I just think, wow, you've got you've got a lot of time because you could just read it and copy it. You could even copy and paste. You can copy and paste. That makes it easy. <laughs> Anyways, we had to start off with that question because it just makes me laugh. Okay, so Pidor, you when did you like you're such an amazing singer? And I, oh my goodness, I remember so when we were teaching together in that year five class. Oh my gosh, it was such a great year. I remember we would all like rush off like after like in the evening to go see you sing. Like we would go as staff. Like I remember going with Roger and like a few others to watch you sing. Came and saw me. I think. Oh my yeah. gosh! In Essex. Essex, that was my first experience with Essex. It was so cool. Yeah. So when when did you like you were teaching and you were singing? When did you first? When did you first know you were talented? Like, was there a moment where you like you know what singing is something? And you're also like, I know a writer and a poet. Like, there's so much more, but we'll focus on the singing for right now. Um, the singing. Um, I've always I always sang. Um, like. Whitney Houston songs and whatever loved um at home but I didn't really think about I didn't try to invest myself in it very much because I came from that kind of typical African migrant family mindset of parents and everybody just said you have to be a lawyer or a doctor (laughs) secret aspiration to be a singer but I didn't Mm. I didn't ever say it out loud until I think I was about 14 and I don't know what what made me do it but I just I, I spoke to my parents and said I, I'd really quite like to be a singer and to my amazement 
turned around and didn't tell me off, which I thought was what was going to happen because, you know, how are you going to be successful? How are you going to be? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, everyone wants to be a singer, but they, they turned around and said, okay, right. So we'll put you in a stage school. Wow. Like, oh, okay. Cause I didn't think things like that happened with wow. kids like me. Um, so at 14, my brother and I were taken to Sylvia Young's um, theatre school um, in West London. Um, and we okay. went to sign up for lessons for classes at the part-time Saturday school, but there weren't any for singing. There were no spaces. So right. they were like, okay, it's easier to get into a singing class if you're already part of the school. So we would advise you to join one of the other classes. And then when the space becomes available, you can join right. singing. And that's how I got into acting because I, 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 I signed up for scripted drama and improvisational drama mm-hmm. and then singing class, I think a term later. I didn't like the singing class though, but um, <laughs> it ended up, it ended up pushing my acting stuff forward. But then eventually through auditions for acting, I then met Roger. Yes. Um, I remember Roger. As a um, singer and then brought my friend in Leslie and then one summer yeah. we were doing lots of projects together and he just said listen you guys have an amazing energy I think you're really talented what do you say about making a band and we were just like yeah okay wow. I think we were eight, we were 17 at the time and we we life was just really big and bright and fun and there was loads mm. of art stuff and we just were, we were doing everything that people asked so it's like do you want to be on this project yes do you want to do this yes do you want to wow. do this just yes to everything Right. Oh my goodness. Cause like my next question was for you was like, how, when did you know like that you were going to take it further and start making an income from it? But it sounds like it just happened organically. Yeah, it did. It happened really organically because our central aim at the time was just to have a great time. Right. And having a great time for us was, was, was pursuing our passion, which was the arts. It was writing. Wow. It was like, so at the time we were we were writing musicals um we were part-time youth workers Mm -hmm. so we were running projects for young people in west london um we had been part of projects um so we come up through the system as young people and then we'd been employed right by the youth service to start running our own projects and writing things so we were we were staging musicals and we were doing that and we were writing really good material so the three of us ended up just kind of saying, right, okay, I reckon it's a good thing for us to start a band, but also to write our own music. So we started to, that's where we ended up writing our own album and recording our own album as well. Oh my God. Really organic, really organic. That's incredible. And it just, well, it's amazing. Like with that journey of your parents putting you in that stage school and you not necessarily wanting to go into acting, you wanted to go into singing, but then that actually ended up being such a huge, like, part of your story yeah. and skill set was yeah. there like when you said to your parents at 14 you're like I want to go into it were you just like I want to be able to like have a career doing this like did you think about like making money at it or were you just like it's just something I love and I want to do it all the time because that's pretty young but sometimes we do have those thoughts I think it was a I think it was a bit of both I I I always I couldn't quite I didn't have the vocabulary at the time to explain what it was that happened to me when I sang oh it was really important yeah it just felt I felt different when I sang 
and I I kind of like you kind of transcend you kind of move from where you are into another space and I at the time I didn't I wouldn't have been able to explain that but it's what happens and it so it felt like something that was really important which is why for so many years I never said it out loud that that's what I wanted I was so afraid that my parents and my uncles and everybody would turn around be like we don't do that here we do medicine we do law um oddly enough I remember saying to my father once you know um I want to be a teacher and I was really young at the time because our parents were very big on careers what do you want to do when you grow up and you had to say the key things and one one time I said I wanted to be a teacher my dad burst out laughing and he said teachers don't get paid (laughs) he's right (laughs) (laughs) so I remember I shut down that idea wow which is also right why it's really important that we're careful about the way we speak to kids about things but I instantly shut that idea down because it I it was like a moment of shame of like why would you think of something so silly Ah. shared the singing dream because I didn't want to lose whatever it was important I didn't know why it was important but I knew that it wasn't something I could just sacrifice to an adult to say this is rubbish so it was my secret dream so um it it's it going into stage school um, was very much about trying to stay connected to this energy that it gave me, this kind of release, this freedom. Um, Then it was also a vehicle for me to potentially be able to write. Um, And then also the the career element of of making money. But I've never really been money orientated. I'm always, I've always been quite experience orientated. I think that's why when people were constantly talking about careers to me as a kid, I kind of just said what people wanted to hear, but it was, it was never about money for me. Oh my goodness. Hey, the, the power of like one, the power of words and the power of us worrying about what other people think. Like it's, it's incredible as I, you know, as we get older, we start to realize like how powerful that is. I think that's why you and I too, like, I mean, we just ran our class. I think our classroom, we had year five students. I think it was just like one big personal development session. Like (laughs) you guys can do it all. And, you know, and because I grew up like that too, like I went into teaching because I'm from a family of teachers. I didn't know what else to do. And I thought my grandmother always said, you know, do something until you know. And I was like, so I I went into it and I I did love it. I just knew it wasn't that burning desire thing that that I had. But I, I also, that was my big thing, like worrying about, I was very conscious about the language I used with kids and because I didn't want them to have those experiences. Like I knew how powerful it was. And I think maybe that's why we also connected so well, like our, our love for those kids and wanting them to maybe not go through quite the experiences that we did in that sense, or at least have a period in your life where you're really elevated and it'll give you that boost. Like it'll give you enough to pursue those like dreams that you have. I remember I used to say to kids, like, you know, our weaker ones, I'd be like, just get through school. Then you could do whatever you want when it's done. <laughs> and I was like, maybe, maybe teaching isn't for me. <laughs> no, no, but I have to say the thing that I was so thinking back to that, and the, this is the thing about you. And I don't think you realize how much of an impact you had on me at the time. Um, but I, I found it so refreshing and I was so grateful that I got placed with you mm. as a TA. Um, because what I loved about you was that you ran your class as a primary school class without being, what's the word? There was, you didn't patronize the kids at all. You mm-hmm. didn't talk to them 
you didn't baby talk them you just spoke to them like they were human beings mm. and what, you know often happens in primary I think is that we kind of baby talk these kids so much yeah. and we don't just talk to them as as just as a human being and I really respected that about you and I think that's your class was very real it was very and it was very alive when the kids yeah. in our class do you know what I was thinking about do you, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say names on here am I I think it's fine they're like I don't know they're probably like university <laughs> one of them graduated from college I think <laughs> um, kid I was thinking about just the other day I don't know if you remember him he came into our class um midway through the year Rui oh my goodness do I remember that boy <laughs> he was so fantastic and wonderful and he remember he came in with no English yeah and he was just, Portuguese. He was from Angola. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And he was so charismatic and mm-hmm. kids just really liked him because he was just a decent human being. Yeah. And then his language acquisition was just like that. And Amazing, yeah. um, I felt like that year I learned a lot from you in terms of how adults, really healthy ways that adults can interact with, with mm-hmm. kids in um, position and outside of that as well. And I also just felt like I learned so much from the children. Yeah. Well, I have to say like, so the reason I had you on this podcast is because I was really thinking about this and we spoke a little bit about this before, this idea that even if you're not doing what you feel is going to be what you're going to do for the rest of your life, that you still do it to a super high level. And like, for example, that year that we worked together, I was taking my personal training course. It was a part-time course over the course of a year. It was like personal training and massage therapy and nutrition. And so I was studying. So I knew teaching wasn't going to be for me forever. And you were trying to figure out if you were going to go to high school or teach or whatever. Like, I think you were just trying to figure that out too. Like teaching assistant was not where you were going to finish yeah. up your career, right? Yet we we did those jobs to such a high ability. And I believe that that's what attracted so much greatness in our lives, like in our future careers, because how you do something is how you do everything. And when I moved back to Canada, I, I reluctantly went back to supply teaching for a bit. And I remember for a while, I was not doing a great job at it. At least I, at least I didn't feel like I was doing that. And I think sometimes we're harder on ourselves, right? But because I had been a full-time teacher, I knew those like little extras that I could do to make things better. Not for the kids. I always give the kids my all, but you know, those extra little things I could do in a classroom that would really make a difference to the teacher when she returned. And I knew I was skipping out on those mm-hmm. things. And then I remember thinking, wow, well, my life is not very amazing at the moment. What can I do? And I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing everything above and beyond what is expected. And you know what? That's when life started to shift again. And it started to really like just other areas of my life started to improve. And so, yeah, when I was thinking about that, I was like, oh my goodness, that was Pidor. Like you, oh my goodness. So for our listeners, Pidor, like we had to do these performances. Every class <laughs> do a performance once a term. And as you know, Pidor can dance and sing and do, she could do everything. I cannot do any of those things, but I've always had such an admiration for people. And I've always had such a love for the arts. Like, like, even though I can't sing, I love that kids can sing. And even though I'm terrible at art, I would, we would have the most elaborate art projects. Cause I was like, look, my sample is going to look terrible, but these kids are going to do way better. And, um, you used to take kids that I'd be like, 
oh my goodness, like there is no way that this kid is ever going to be able to do like string three dance steps together. Like there's just no way there he's got to. And you know, I'm a big believer in building people up, but sometimes the honest truth is just the honest truth. And like, Pidor would be like, anytime she wanted to practice, I'd be like, okay, Pidor, whatever time you need, just let me know. I'll organize the day. You've got it. And she would, but you would do like lunch times. Like you would, you would really practice them with the kids that were struggling. You would take them apart and practice extra with them. And our performances, I mean, I think the other classes couldn't stand us because they were so good. Like you couldn't live up to them. Like they were so amazing. Like even I'd be like, oh, like this has nothing to do with me. This is all Pidor. I just gave her the time. And um, I just loved that about you though. You just, you gave it your all. And those kids, you gave them like the most incredible experiences. I think, you know, I haven't thought about that in so long. We did Oliver. Do you remember? We did that. Oliver's the one I remember the most. Yeah. Um, and, and then we had Nadia who was a budding. She was, oh my gosh, she was just amazing. Do you remember her? So wild. Period. (laughs) But, but not, not, not planned. Just like everything. She was just like the perfect. She was one of those like um, children that are like wise beyond their years. Yeah. Yeah. And then beautiful. Um, but it was, I think the biggest thing for me is always, you know, when we do things, we kind of, we, we, we have to remember that we change spaces and we change energy and we change people just mm-hmm. by being there and interacting. And sometimes we forget the impact that we have on people. And again, it's, you know, obviously I, was, I mentioned the comment that my father made about teaching and how that impacted me and it yeah. stayed with me. Um, his intention wasn't to cause damage. He was trying to encourage me, but the method by which he did it, did it, it, you know, it, it caused an injury. And it's just like one of those things with kids and what what we were doing in that classroom, I really believe in the transformative power of creativity and the arts. And it's almost irrelevant whether you are the best singer, the best dancer, the best Mm -hmm. writer, just expressing Mm -hmm. is therapy. And it's so important that every single human being has opportunities to to express, to get things out. And I think that time in <laughs> that time in school <laughs> was very much about that. It was very much about creating uh, opportunities for expression and and pushing as far as we could go. It's like, yeah. okay, this is how we how good we're doing it right now. But if we practice for another break time. <laughs> we push it okay now if we do lunchtime where could we push it yeah. and it's interesting because the kids were 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 biting they were on that yes oh we've done this and now how can we do it better so that was interesting to to see but what I also observed at the time was that when you push for a higher level of quality and you start to see the results of that and they start to see the results mm. of that it doesn't just change their perception of themselves mm. and their approach to work it also changes the space. So what I noticed, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, was the other class assemblies yes. started to change. Yes. Oh, they become yes. more demonstrative and more kind of, um, they, there was like just more expression. Mm-hmm. Fun. And then naturally what that meant was all of us as a school sitting in that assembly hall were getting better assemblies. Yes. Because every class was trying to up their game because they wanted to be as good as the year five kids. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not about one person. It's not yeah. about one project. It's about the whole thing. 
one person does well, another person tries to do it, and then eventually we all do well. So it's it's about it's about community, really, isn't it? Ultimately. Oh my goodness, a hundred percent of such goosebumps. But you know, it does. I I totally get what you mean. It's not about one person, but it is about one person making the decision to really yeah. up that energy and to be that light for others. But it shows the ripple effect and the the impact that that can have. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you know, and even there's kids that I would say even our perceptions of the children change. Because like I said, oh, I didn't think that kid could string three steps together. Like say I had two left feet and then I see it, but you know, I can guarantee that my reaction and my interaction with that child changes regardless of me being conscious about it. There's just like shifting expectations in that kind of way. You, you have to go back to yourself and review what you're what your approach is mm-hmm. and that's lovely about about the work that we do is that reflective practice of constantly being like oh okay totally I didn't think I would get that result so what now how does that then inform me going forward absolutely and you know it's interesting like we are talking about children because that was our experience together but this applies to everyone you know in your in your workplace in your if you're an entrepreneur running your own business if you're running a team like this applies to every everything I think it's that whole mindset of, um, like you said, going into something and giving it your full self. Yeah. Um, and that's whatever version of you you are. Right. It's just, you know, it's about, it's about quality. And I think it's about being truthful to yourself. I have this thing about if I am somewhere, I need to make it worthwhile. Mm. And I'm getting more and more uh, like that. So yeah. if I have to be here, you know, I, I don't, I don't like to waste too much time and like just sit at a, at a gathering for the sake of it. If I'm going to be, if, if you invite me to your event, for example, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be present and I'm going to interact. I don't get when people, you know, you've been invited, you know, like weddings, we've played so many weddings mm. on stage and you're there and um, you can see the people that have opted out. And I'm just kind of like, dude, don't come. You know, when we're, when we're present, we've got to kind of give our all, or we just need to take ourselves out because you suck up the energy in the room and you don't do anything for yourself either. Oh my goodness. This is like golden, but you know what? You are so right. And I mean, I think those people that are very good at interacting, um, it just comes, it can come naturally to you, but I never really thought of the person that's just sitting in the corner, how they're sucking the energy out. So they have power too. They just don't realize they have it. I mean, it's not a, a going in it. It's not a positive one, but it's still there. And it's not mm. even about being, you know, a, an extrovert. I think mm. if totally, key, I, we all know I'm not low key, and that's fine. But we know that some people, <laughs> it's like a completely different energy, and that's okay. But it's like, how do you, how do you make a presence of your yeah. own energy? You know, every single one of us, I think, has got something really special to offer. Mm. But it, I find it really sad when we go into life or into jobs or situations and we don't offer what's ours. That's so you sit in the room and you kind of let ha- life happen to you. Yes. That I think is, is, is quite tragic because you don't get a big life that way by just being passive. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. That's so powerful. That's like, I'm sitting here just reflecting, <laughs> soaking that in. That's so true. Um, 
Wow. Yeah. Take yourself out if you're not going to interact or give. I love that. Um, Be with yourself. That's fine. There is nothing wrong with that. But I love that. Want to be and actually be there, yeah. or just take yourself out. Yeah. Oh, powerful. Okay, okay. Let's go back to um, singing and career a little bit because we were talking about before how you are actually a teacher now, and you've been teaching for five years. Yeah, but you're also part time singing, and so I love this concept too because I mean, not during this situation. <laughs> no, not saying the c word, but um, <laughs> but before this, you're you're still doing you know you're doing what you love is teaching, which is what you wanted to do as well, and then part time you're you're singing, and I do love this concept because for me as an entrepreneur now and having worked a nine to five, I I have for me happiness is working for myself a hundred percent of the time, but I also recognize that we need people to do everything and my happiness isn't the same as someone else. There's a lot of people that are extremely happy in their jobs and entrepreneurs have this like way of thinking that, oh, people must be miserable in their nine to five. It doesn't work that way, right? It's about finding what feeds your soul. So I love that you took like this big passion of yours that you had and you didn't let it go, but you're doing it part-time. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about that. Like when you, was that like a very conscious decision to do that? Or is it something that again happened sort of organically over time as well or? I think initially it was really organic in the sense that, you know, it was something that we set up in our, in our late teens and it was for fun, you know, so like mm-hmm. kind of like a little side hustle, but it was for fun. And it was, it was again, an opportunity for self-expression. Um, and so we were at university at the time, then we graduated university, we carried on and things were starting to pick up speed with the, with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause when we first started, we, no one knew us. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we had to, I would sit in in the back bedroom and create like flyers and call up loads of different agents and be like, hi, my name is, and we've got a band. Would you like to, you know? And then like we would print CDs and we'd like, I'd walk up and down the high street to different like pubs and venues and just um, try to push and leave things with people and then call back. And it was a real hustle, um, but it was fun. And yes. it, was new, it was fresh. So by the time it started to pick up speed, on the side of that, I'd started working as well. So it was always, it was always juggling a bit of this with a bit of that, but I loved working like that. And I, I still right. do. I feel like it just, I don't think we're, we're two dimensional as human beings right. and there's things that feed us. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That life is set up and what society kind of expects of us yes. says, you've got to drill down into one thing right. and just that and I don't think that's true yeah, I agree you know I think when I was younger I, I didn't have a very realistic perception I thought I could do absolutely everything all the time mm. I'm glad I thought like that though because yes. it's going and I used to shun people who were like you can't do everything PD and I'd be like of course I can <laughs> um, but you know as I got older I realized that in terms of my energy and right. my time and the quality of my work I can't do everything all the time. Right. But once I realized that consciously, I realized that then what I need to do is compartmentalize mm-hmm. so that I do sections of my life to one or two things and right. then move on. So it's like, okay, I'm going to teach. Like I was saying to you, I sort of broad for two years. And in those two years, I wasn't really singing anymore. I was away from my band, but right. I knew I'd make a, made a conscious decision to do that because 
I was living another section of my life dream. Right. Oh, I love that. Thinking of it that way. Yeah. yeah. When I came back and I said, were you my, teaching just so I was still teaching drama and theater studies, but um, where did you go? You said abroad. Oh, right. Okay. In a private school called St. Andrews in Malawi, Blantyre. Malawi. Oh, love it. Did I know anything about Malawi? No. <laughs> Anyone there? No. Did I love it. Yes. So I got out there and I was like, what am I doing? And it was a really funny time as well when I took that job because I was at, in terms of my life thus far up until that point, I was a, at a really happy point mm. I was with my friendships. I was really happy with my family. I had my flat. Everything was good. So logically thinking there was no reason for me to move away. But it was just kind of like, how big do you want your life to be? I always say to my friends, you know, when they're like, oh, what are you doing now? I'm like, I'm just building the story because at some point I'm going to be sitting with those grandkids and I don't want to be bored by the story I'm telling. So... That I make now, I want to be interested in my life story. So I love you that. just have to live as big as you want to. Oh my goodness, I love that. That's so incredible. So, with the um, singing, were you singing up until this situation happened? Yes. So, still singing. So, again, all of my teachers and friends, when they find out, are like, how do you do that? Right do this and do that on the weekend don't you just want to sleep and I'm like yeah sometimes I do um because it's it gets it does get crazy sometimes when you've pulled crazy hours at school yeah um through the week and then and you're singing late it's not like a daytime thing like singing is a late thing I mean one blessing is that we whereas years back I think particularly when I was um working with you we did Saturdays and Fridays right um, Whereas around this time now, we, we don't do both days so much. So some right. weekends are one day. Right. Um, with that, it may be that we are at the opposite end of the country. So we might be gigging in Wales. Right. Which means we're up really early. Um, and I know there's been like Fridays when I've had to get from London to a completely different side of England. And right. Like close up my laptop um, at school and then try and get to London King's Cross, jump on a train and then get to, you know, yeah. the other side of, of England but you know it just I feel like um I feel like it keeps life really interesting and mm. I see a lot of the world I meet loads of different people and I feel like I have to keep coming back to myself to figure out just figure things out because it's never the same brilliant it's something new to kind of learn and to to see and to do and you're sit you're doing the same job but constantly in different ways in different right. environments and that's really exciting so oh, yeah I'm singing the same yeah. song perhaps I, like last weekend but it's a completely different venue a completely different couple who have great. completely different needs and the audience want from Your you energy. something completely different so you have to keep figuring out how to adapt your practice to suit right. Right. What are some of um, challenges that you've had to overcome? Like in, in trying to do maybe these two things together, the teaching and the, you know, I know you're tired and that kind of thing, but has there ever been a point where you're like, maybe I need to choose one or you just don't believe in that? It just hasn't ever been a consideration. Um, I think, I think expectation is one of the biggest challenges. Because mm. Why are you still doing this? 
you're in your 30s. People say this. Settle down and um, have kids. Look at so-and-so. They've done this. And you're kind of like, hmm, I'm not doing this because I don't want to have kids. I actually do want to have kids. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, I'm living my life at a certain pace in a certain way until the next window. Right. And I want to go through that door or whatever. Um, so I think expectation is a big deal and, and other people's expectation. Yeah. When people Mm -hmm. question what you're doing, it causes Mm -hmm. you to reflect on what you're doing. Am I doing this right? Am I not? Um, and I think I've had to really drill down into what my gut instinct is mm. and what, what the shape of my life is and how I want it to be shaped. Oh, I love and that. I keep thinking, right, okay, I'm not living somebody else's life. Yes. And I am, I am the one governing this life. I'm here 24-7. Yeah. And all of the people that have comments are, are in it for about five minutes and then they're gone. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Yes how do they get to dictate how you shape your life when you only see them like once every six months? Yes. And their opinion is so strong, but why is it so strong? If it was, if it was that important, they would see you and speak to you day to day and they would be trying to help you shape your life. Right. But you often find that people have a really loud voice and they want to say things, but they're not, they're not actually part of your life to try and assist you in anything. Yeah. So then, kind of go back to right what have I been doing how have I made this happen I think right no you've worked really hard you're doing a good job get on with it so I think that's one thing a second thing is finances mm-hmm. I think finances are just you know dictate so much of what we choose to do yeah um, and there's been times when I've compromised and I've and I've had to take work that I didn't really want to do just so right. that I could you know pay bills mm-hmm. um uh, but again, I, I just think it's a means to an end. And I think it's about thinking about things in chunks. Okay. Right. So for yeah. now, for the next six months, I'm going to do this and that's going to enable me to do this, which is yes. what I really to get to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think those are probably the two biggest challenges. Oh, that is such powerful, such powerful advice because I do think sometimes, there are things that we have to do that we don't like to do or don't want to do, but it's all in how you approach it. Now, if you're going to be doing that for years, there's something wrong with that. But like you said, if it's, you're looking at it and you're like, this is a stepping stone and it's, you've yeah. really got those like clear boundaries and ideas of, of what that's going to look like for you, then yeah, that's life, isn't it? Like it's not about always doing exactly what you want. And you've got to be really honest with yourself about why you're doing things. Like it's mm-hmm. I think sometimes as we lie to ourselves, right. we're like, I really like this job. No, you don't. You don't <laughs> like the job. Yes. The job is there to serve a purpose. And it yes. may, be, may be financial. And that's fine. Be honest. You're here for this. And it will actually sharpen up your, your vision and your goal setting. Because you then really focus on getting that job done and doing yes. it well. Move. But if you try to like lie to yourself and say, oh yeah, this is the greatest job. No, it's not. It's really dull. Yes. And sometimes knowing like, what is it that makes it the best? Like, is it just that you like the people you're working with, but you don't like the actual work? Like you've got to really look at the full picture. Why are you saying that you love it when you're right? Maybe, maybe you don't. I know for me, a big thing was when I went back to supply teaching was being offered contracts all the time because there was such a shortage and, and teach, you know, 
principals and other people saying like, Oh, you should do this full time. Like you're really good at it. And I was like, yeah, but being really good at something doesn't mean it's what you're supposed to do. It just means you have a really good work ethic or, or, you know, there's a part of it that you love. Like it doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean that it's what you choose for yourself. And you have to be really careful because when people start to say, Oh, you're so good at that. Like even with singing, I mean, for you, it's worked out as a, as a, a career, but like, there's people that end up following their passions that they turn it into a job and then they end up hating their passion. And so it's really important to like, listen to yourself and not what other people say, just because people say you're good at it doesn't mean it's what you should be doing. You need to do with what you know you should be doing in your gut. That's why you you need to have those ideas about what your plan is because it Mm -hmm. can you. And that this is why also what we're talking about before is really important about doing your best because yeah. actually what you're doing um, when you're going into each of those environments and being told, oh, you're really good at this. We'd love you to take this contract, mm-hmm. which has happened to me quite a lot. Same as you. Yeah. So teaching, would you like to work full time for us? And oh, could you just go and see the head teacher? What for? And you get into a meeting and they're like, <laughs> oh, we'd like to offer you a job. And it's like, that's not what I'm doing right now. Well, what are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. I'm my arts work. Well, we think that you would do really well here. That's great. Mm-hmm. But this is what I'm doing. But I think that the, the thing about working at your best level is that you can say no to things, but what you're doing is you're creating a series of doors that you can go back to yes. if you want to. That's and great. They will be open to you. So it's like you're just creating more and more links and widening your network by just doing your best. Oh, I love that you feel better about what you're doing rather than being in a job and doing the least. Yeah. And I think people really respect you when you say no, you know, when I think there's a part of them goes, wow, like, you know, other people would love to have this job and you're just saying no. And and they do respect you. And if you do come back and, or need that connection for, for whatever it is, whether it's a reference or maybe a job down the road, they'll know that you're doing it because that's exactly what you want. And you have that respect, self-respect for your, you know, yourself. Right. You've got to be, I think we, we have to get better and I'm working on this. I'm working on my no. Yeah. It's it's such a, it's such a, it was always a negative word. And I I think only in the past six years have I realized how important that word is in my vocabulary, particularly as a female. Yes. You know, just being able to say, this is my line. This is my no. I'm good now. And it doesn't have to be aggressive it doesn't have to be confrontational it's yeah. just simply I'm I'm not interested in taking on that role thank you very yes, much and how, how about it doesn't even need to be explained <laughs> I think really we're, sometimes as women we're terrible at that oh no I can't because da, 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 da. actually it doesn't matter <laughs> or like just say I can't and let it go silent I'm working on my email language yeah. so that I stop saying just oh like, yes oh you're right it's mm-hmm. oh, I no I'm asking. Yeah. No, just. (laughs) Mine's taking the word sorry out. Sorry, I can't make it. So I've gone back and I've done the same thing, especially I think in emails because it's, it's right there. So when you make the conscious effort to change your language and and we've spoken about how the language was so important for the children and so important for us. um, When you see it written, it confronts you. Whereas when you say it, you can't take it back. You're like, Oh, rats. I'm trying to, to, Oh, there's see, there's that word trying. Um, I'm wanting to take it out of my vocabulary, but when you write it, it's powerful. You're like, Oh, delete that word. Get it, get it out. 
Oh, powerful. Okay. One last question before we go into the two questions I ask everyone on the podcast. But the last question is, what would you say to women out there that have this talent or this vision? And, and maybe they are, they, they've got these people saying all of, you know, the expectations and what they should be doing. What do you say to them if they do have this like burning desire just to do something different? They want to change up what they're doing. They're not, they're living a life that has been kind of laid out for them. Yeah, I think I think the first thing I would say is to listen because things don't go away. When something belongs to you, when an experience belongs to you, when a dream belongs to you, it doesn't go away. It keeps coming back and kind of knocking on your door mm-hmm. in different ways. And I, I'm a big believer in signs. And it's like this thing just keeps coming back to me through different people or through different opportunities. And it's th- something I desire. So listen, listen to the space, listen to yourself. And, you know, um, listen to how your body feels because our bodies tell us so much about what is a positive thing, what is a negative thing, your body responds to it. And if it feels good, then you should be in that space. Yeah. We do so much that, that actually goes against the way that we, we want to feel or that we naturally feel. And, you know, you're, you're overly tired and you're overly stressed and you, you're anxious and your muscle, you know, your muscles are tight. And it's like, mm-hmm. this isn't the best space for you. So kind of listening and feeling to start to understand which spaces you feel most relaxed in, most energized in, most love. driven in, and yep. then kind of leaning more into that, I think is really important in terms of like establishing the stuff about your dreams and then going with it. So if it's, you know, if it's writing, how many different ways can you do that? I think mm-hmm. sometimes we're really, we're really, what's the word? Tunnel visioned about yeah, good word. How, yeah. thing, how a dream can look. So it's like, okay, I want to be a singer. So it's going to look like that. Right. I realized years ago that I wasn't going to be Whitney Houston, but she, <laughs> she was my, she was my kind of pin on the board, yeah. Whitney. And then it was like, okay, so how does singing work in my life? And so, I've been able to sing. I could, I could die tomorrow and I wouldn't feel like I had not achieved that dream because I've done it. Yes. I've done it. Oh. And the shape of it is different. Is and it's so just powerful. allowing the kind of flexibility of the dream to come into your life mm-hmm. and to manifest itself mm-hmm. or for you to manifest it in, in, in any kind of way. It's still going to feed you, you know? Oh so just goodness. listening, feeling, leaning in and being flexible. Um, and I had a quote actually that I really like that. Ooh, yes, sure. I love a good, I love a good quote. Me too. So, um, so it is action brings with it its own courage, its own energy, a growth of self-confidence that can be acquired in no other way. And I think that's the thing. We wait. We're constantly waiting for things to happen to us. We're actually when you live a big and powerful life, you find that the people that do are the people that do. Right. Oh my gosh. I've got goosebumps. Don't wait. Right. So you're, you're thinking right today, I really feel like learning how to, to cook Italian food. So then I start learning to cook Italian food and then you know, three months down the line, I find I'm really good at it. And I start hosting dinner parties and friends start coming by and, and someone says, you know what, you should actually do this. There's this thing where you can invite people over and they pay. And supper then clubs. that's one, right? Supper club. And then you start hosting supper clubs. And then that's really, really popular. And it's word mm-hmm. of mouth. And two years down the line, you've got a restaurant. Ah, yes. 
because of that one moment where you just leaned in and you just thought, right, I really want to do this thing. And you did it. Oh like, my gosh. Much. I, that is so powerful because I mean, there's so many people that are like, okay, I'm a great cook. I'm going to open a restaurant. And then they go into debt, they open the restaurant and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I think so often now everyone wants to jump these steps that are so important, but also what I love about your saying, what you're saying is that all along the way you're being successful, whether you open that restaurant or not, because you're feeding that thing that drives you. Yeah. And this is the thing we, we are, I think sometimes we're so concentrated on this big, huge picture mm-hmm. that we don't look at the really small wins that you get on a day to day. It's like, oh my gosh, I wake up in the morning and I've put some like frosted stuff on my window so I don't need curtains. So I've got privacy. Yeah. But the difference that just having light coming through right. makes every morning I appreciate that tiny little thing. And it's once you start to appreciate all of these small things, life becomes so magical. Oh, amazing. Every moment becomes so much bigger. So you can just say, right, yeah, I've been wanting to do this thing for so long. I'm just going to try it. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't become huge. You take pleasure in the fact that, you know, this on this particular night, you went into a bar and you you stood up in front of 20 people and read your poetry yeah yeah looking for those opportunities scary but you did it (laughs) oh my gosh I love that you know what you're saying reminds me so much I don't know if you remember that I went on the Camino Santiago do you remember I went on that walk across northern so the Camino Santiago for people listening is if you haven't heard of it, it's a walk across Northern Spain. So it starts in the Pyrenees and it goes all the way across Northern Spain and up to Santiago de Compostela. And it's an old pilgrimage site. And now it's very, it's quite touristy. I think it gets quite busy now. People do it for all sorts of reasons. So um, to do the whole thing, I think it's about five, six weeks. I did, I did it twice. So one year I did a two week section, the last 300 kilometers. And then, um, a couple of years later, I went back with Oz. It was with my good friend Oz. Um, and we did another two-week section and then busted to Santiago. So the first time was interesting because the first time we did that walk, we were like, you know, everyone's like doing 20 kilometers a day or whatever. I was like, let's do 30. I remember one day we ended up doing 50. It was ridiculous, like more than a marathon of walking. And we were just like in such, we just wanted to get to Santiago and like it was exciting and fun. And, and then we get to Santiago and we're like, Oh, actually the fun was the journey. Like, why did we get here so fast? Like we actually would have, it would have been better to take an extra couple of days. Like we would have just had more conversations or more, you know, met more people. And not that we didn't, I mean, we're both pretty chatty. So we met a lot of people, but I just think of how different the experience would have been. So the second time we went back was interesting because there was no longer that rush to get to Santiago. It was like, okay, now we've learned this lesson that it's actually, it is the journey and, and the trials. And I mean, you know, I was just talking about her the other day, Oz has sadly passed on, uh, passed away, but I was talking to my mom about how like I had so many blisters, like I'd wake up in the morning and I, Oz knew don't talk to Rosa for the first hour because I'd have to go inside to get through the pain. Once they warmed up, I would be okay. And I could keep walking. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Oz doesn't have like one tiny little blister, but oh. we ended up in one of the albergues. So albergues are these places that at the time you stayed by donation. I don't know how it works anymore. Like now there's an app and all these things. We didn't have that. We just had a book and 
ourselves. So I get to this place and I'm walking in in pain and there's this English couple that's running the place. And they're like, oh, why are you in so much pain? I'm like, I, my feet are just have so many blisters. And they showed me this technique. It's going to sound gross, but I'm going to share it because you know it's a good skill to have as well. A needle and thread, like a needle with white cotton thread, and you poke it through the top of the blister. And now it doesn't hurt because I was scared. And they're like, look, our, we do this for our five-year-old grandchild. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll toughen up. <laughs> so you take it in through one end and you, you poke it through the other end and you cut the thread so that it stays inside the blister. And if it's big, you do a couple of those. And then you go to sleep and the next morning you wake up and the blister is completely like, it's just dry skin. You just pull out the thread. Oh, wow. On it to cover it, but it no longer re, it doesn't re blister because that's the problem with blisters. If you just poke a hole, it doesn't fully drain and it re blisters. Okay, this is so, it sounds like it's so off topic, but one, I think it's just a good skill to have, right? <laughs> I remember Oz was like, oh, I just want a little blister so I could try this. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> but, um, but it just goes to show like, that was part of our journey. Like that was part of the story. And I'll never forget that couple and how much we laughed and, and that connection that we had with them and how they took so much pain away from me. Had I not met them, I would have continued that journey in agony. So, yeah. I mean, the beauty was Oz got an extra hour of me talking in the morning, which was awesome because <laughs> I wasn't in pain. That's so true. Do but, you know what? That's, that's the thing. You know, the key, one of the key words that you just said is connection. Mm, totally as well about about life it's like whatever you're doing are you connecting yes are you connecting with the life that you're living are you connecting with the space are you connecting with the people are you connecting with the experience because yeah. actually that's, that's what makes it really profound and interesting totally. it's oh my gosh. rarely the the destination and you're so right the journey is is everything one of the best things about shows and and putting on shows is the rehearsal period and oh i love that the bonds that you make and the fact that, you know, you kept getting that one note wrong, but you had to keep hammering it and people were getting frustrated with you, but then suddenly they're, you know, cheering for you and then <laughs> get it. And there's this gorgeous, you know, you know, beautiful harmony that you've created with five other people. And then you're like, unit. So journey and connection, hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Oh my goodness. There's, there's been so, so many golden moments in this episode. Okay. So I'm going to ask you the final two questions that I ask everyone. So okay. the first thing, the first question is, can you think of a moment when there was something you heard that changed things for you? Yes. When I was told within a few minutes of my interview for um, the school in Malawi that they wanted me, I freaked. Yeah. That's a life changer. I was like, wait, I suddenly <laughs> that I hadn't really thought this through properly. And I was like, wait, I'm, I'm supposed to like do like touch and I'm supposed to like, and then I realized, I think I was freaking out because I already knew that I was a yes. Right. Yes was going to change everything. <sighs> and it did, you know? Um, so yeah, just being given that, that green light. Yeah. And I have not been the same, you know, from when I left this country, lived there and came back. I'm, I'm so different now. What do you think changed for you? I'm just throwing this question in there because I can't help it. <laughs> I, I think... Um, I say yes a lot more. Mm. I say yes a lot more to life. Mm. I say no a lot more to people. Yeah. Oh, quote of the day. It sounds really negative, but it's oh. not. It's positive because what happens is when I say yes to people, I'm so much more present because yeah. I know that I'm saying yes to you because I want to spend yeah. 
quality yes. invested time with you like I don't I don't go to the pub pointlessly I don't sit in after work to just like whatever if I'm with you I'm with you and when I say no, it's because I'm looking after my energy. Mm. I'm looking after my body. I'm looking after my time yeah. or I'm taking that time and I'm allocating it to somebody or something that needs it. Yes. So I just feel like that whole experience has allowed me to think and live and practice more purposely, mm. purposefully, sorry. Yeah, um, so I'm so much more confident with my yeses and so much more deliberate about my nose. Powerful. I love that. I'm so glad I snuck that question in. That was golden. Okay. Last question. What does living life by design mean to you? Living life by design means listening to all of the things that people tell you not to. So -hmm. listening to your gut, listening to your feelings, listening to your energy, listening Mm -hmm. to your body. Um, Living by design means really trying to serve your inner purpose trying to figure out what it is Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be concrete like I figured out that my purpose is to work with people and to to just you know do what I can to to help people have a better life now I feel like I serve that through my teaching I feel Mm -hmm. like I serve that through my writing I feel like I serve that through you know, some of the images of photography that I take because it's just a really beautiful Mm -hmm. view of the world. And I feel like I serve it through singing because, you know, all of those things change a person's experience of a moment or, you know, whatever I'm doing in school, I'm always very conscious that this young person is going to leave in Mm -hmm. a year or two years and they need to have had a really good experience in this building, in this institution, whatever it is. And if it, if it's just my bit, then it's just my bit. Right. So it's about lifting people in as many different uh, ways. Yes. Um, yeah, just find your purpose and then lean into that. Love that. Oh my goodness, I love that so much. Okay, Pedor, how can people like get a hold of you? I know you're great on Instagram. Is that the best place? I guess so. Yeah, I, I've, I've deleted Facebook because I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny because I've kind of trimmed back on my social media. I think Instagram mm-hmm. is the only thing. So at PT Plays. I'll put it in the show notes too. Oh my goodness. It has been such a blessing to reconnect with you. And oh, it just feels like old times, like so many years. And I know it feels like so much has changed for us. And yet, you know, at the core, I think we still are those people. And I think, you know, when you're talking about living life by design, I know that that's why we had that magical year and we connected because we, that's how we live is we live by design. And even if it's tough times, we know that it's part of our journey, not our destination and and that we're going to keep seeking what that purpose is. And yeah, Yeah. beautiful. Thank you, Pidor. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's been (laughs) awesome. Thank you. All right. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening in today. I know time is precious and I'm grateful you shared yours with me. It would mean the world to me if you felt an impact, a moment of inspiration, or learned something new, if you would share it with those you care about and leave me a review on iTunes. I'd love to know what spoke to you or what you'd like to hear more of. Your sharing and leaving a review would help so much on this journey to making an impact on as many people as possible. It's worth it. I know from experience, there are moments when something we hear has the possibility of changing everything.